Welcome to Improv Beat by Beat. I'm Curtis Rutherford. I interviewed 24 different improvisers and then edited together chunks of those interviews to investigate different aspects of improv one piece at a time. This is episode four, The Herald. The Herald is the primary long-form structure used in New York City and at UCB. And as such, it's more regimented at UCB than it is at other theaters, or as originally described by Del Close and Charna Halpern. It starts with an opening, which we'll go into more in the next couple episodes. Then it's followed by three scenes, or first beats. We'll call them A1, B1, and C1. Followed by a group game, and then second beats, A2, B2, and C2 which are then a return to each of those original three scenes. Then there's another group game, and then third beats, in which we return to those three ideas again a third time, but perhaps connect them all or don't. It varies. It's used both at UCB and at many other places as the basis for most other long-form structures. A good mono scene should often have the same rhythm as a herald. Even a montage should have roughly that same feel. Some two-person scenes, then maybe a group game, then you go back to some two-person scenes. It just feels right. Now, this may be a chicken-and-the-egg nature-versus-nurture situation. We like other structures to follow the Herald because there's something innate about that structure that feels right, or maybe that feels right for other forms because we've been so inundated with the Herald. It's a little like a music single. Maybe they're mostly three minutes long because that's the perfect length for a pop song, Or maybe the fact that early records could only hold three minutes of music forced us to get used to three-minute singles, and so that's what we became accustomed to, and what still kind of feels right, even as technology improved. But either way, the Herald is key. Even the UCB manual introduces the Herald by saying, point blank, this is one of the most challenging of the long-form structures. So, let's get into it. New York City Herald Night is the air this episode breathes. The people in these conversations were in some of the teams that I loved watching on Herald Night for different reasons. The thematic heralds of 1985, the sound and movement heralds of Fwand, the supportive hug of a herald that Grandma's Ashes performed, or the scenic heralds of Bucky, and so on. And so let's start by talking about how the herald is tough. Let's start by talking about how the herald is tough. This is Will Hines, who is on several beloved and often incredible Herald teams here in New York City. He's now in L.A. and doesn't perform Heralds as often. I did a Herald recently. I haven't done a Herald in a long time. I've done like three Heralds in the last year. Right. Maybe four. And I used to do them, you know, once at least once a week in practice and then almost every week in a show. Mm -hmm. And maybe twice in a practice. So I would do two or three Heralds a week minimum for years. Sometimes a lot more, but that, that's a minimum for like five years. Which part of the Herald do you feel like drops off the most when you realize like, or which part becomes restiest when you like? Well, for me, it was callbacks, like third yeah. beats. I, I was like, whoops, I wasn't remembering anything. Mm-hmm. And I really used to do that pretty well. And I was like, I got nothing. I had nothing coming here. And second beats I was rusty on. I was really upset about that. There's been three or four times that in LA, I'm in LA now. Mm-hmm. There's been three or four times where a bunch of vets get together and do a Herald. People who aren't doing them regularly but used to do them a lot and liked them theoretically. Like Anthony King did it with me. Once was me, Anthony, John Gemberling, and then Alex Fernie and Alex Berg who are two big L.A. performers and Heather Campbell who's also an L.A. performer and really funny. And it was – what I thought we were great at was we were really great at the opening. We really know what we need out of the opening. 
felt the opening was very fun and easy. And I, I don't remember – we did an inv- invocation and another time we did the pattern game. And I didn't feel like we were stressing at that at all. And the first beats were solid. Started very decisively. I thought the first beats were great. Mm-hmm. Group games were good. They felt comfortable for sure. sure. But second beats, we wobbled hard. We wobbled hard. I wobbled hard. Yeah. They were real hit or miss. I remember like, like 50-50 on a good second beat. And the third beats were good scenes, but the connections were not coming. Okay. They were still good. We were very good moment to moment because we still do improv all the right. time. And no matter what improv you're doing, you're yes anding the last line. All that stuff we had very comfortable. But just those very specific And we're still parts. finding games and finding unusual things and you know, but like deliberately playing the same game now in this scene, we don't mm-hmm. do that anymore. And time for connections now, we don't do that either. Yeah. And those are very much like you have to you have it to kind of practice. Like, it takes practice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, was, I was like, woof. Rusty. That was Will Hines. Okay. So the Herald is tough. You have to practice it and you have to pay attention during all those scenes because you're probably going to need to support them or come up with an initiation for second or third beats later on in the show. And you often have a weird, sometimes alienating opening that you have to do and remember ideas from. It's not easy. But it's like any set of rules. Once you know it well, then you get to have fun trying to learn how to break it. Now, here's Kevin Hines. Yeah, he's related to Will. I'd asked Kevin about his favorite part of the Herald. We also talked about one of his old Herald teams, Fwand. My favorite part of the Herald to do is group games, probably. Mm -hmm. All group stuff in Heralds is... My favorite part of the Herald is when the team is involved. Mm -hmm. And that's often the group games, but it can be second beats. It can be first beats. I get most excited when it seems like the eight of us, or however many of you there are, it's our... idea or our scene we're all getting your moment that's the most exciting part the herald is such a structured form that doesn't actually encourage that but that it gets so much better when it happens right that it's just it's what elevates your herald from textbook to great i think Mm -hmm. i know there's teams that do great heralds with you know very separate scenes until like third beats when everything sort of comes together but to me the ones that are exciting where there's walk-ons and support work throughout from mm-hmm. the beginning to the end. And that's the stuff that I get excited about. But yeah, I guess uh, I'm going to change my answer. My favorite part of Heralds are when the regimented structure of it starts to break down finally. Okay. When you can finally get away from sweep edit, two more people, sweep edit, two more people, sweep edit, group everybody out there because nobody wants to miss out on it. So we're all just jumping out right away. Great. Now the first two people are back out. Even the moment when it's like, oh, two different people are doing the second beat. Mm-hmm. That's starting to break it a little bit, even though that's totally – none of these things are against the rules that I'm about to say. Yeah. But when you're first learning it, you just don't do it very much. A group game that starts with just one person out there or three people out there, you often see eight or two mm-hmm. and almost always eight Yeah. or seven. Maybe one person hangs back. But rarely do you just see like, oh, this is just starting like any other scene. It's going to become a group game or it's starting very weird. Different people are doing the second beats. People are walking on three lines into this first beat because the game is already clear. We're not sweep editing. We're just stepping out and starting our next scene. Those are all little things. They're exciting. Yeah. Because then you really start feeling... Improv is about where you don't know what's going to happen. And so the Herald a little bit tells you what's going to happen. Fwan, we used to always mix up the order of our second beats. Mm -hmm. It would just be the order they happened in. And I loved that where I'd be like, I don't know when my scene's going to happen. Or my game is going to happen. 
or if I'll be in it. I loved that. Just, you're looking for the opportunity to play your game, not right. when is it your turn. And it created with Fwand, you guys were always so, – like your eyes were always so wide open to that opportunity. Yeah. I remember one scene where it was like – I think Gil got like knocked back in a chair and by the time he hit the ground, Dominic connected it to the next second beat. I don't remember that specific thing, but that sounds like something that would happen. I remember one where Gil fell through the crust of the earth. And as he was falling, that was a scene. Right. That was a second beat of a different scene. And then when he landed, that was a group game. Right. And it was sort of just like... And he had fallen from another scene. Yeah. Uh, and he was sort of the same guy in all those scenes, but it was just like, we put these scenes where we can get them in. It's like, oh, we only have time to get the scene now. He's falling yeah. for, through the earth, so we've got a few minutes. Let's do a scene here. Like, that's very fun. Uh, even like little things, Porter Mason... <laughs> Stole, saw me do this once and started stealing it from me immediately, which was very flattering. But it's not like I invented this. But when that second group game sort of peters out and doesn't have a big finish, mm-hmm. you just turning that into your third beats mm-hmm. and just editing out of it by like taking that scene with you. Yeah. It's just an easy way to like not have that kind of awkward silence. Right. Which is why Monty Python stopped like connected things. They were just yeah. like, we don't like punchlines. Let's just do that organic connection. Punchlines are hard. And if you miss one, like, if you like, oh, this scene just didn't have that big finish, mm-hmm. or we missed it, and we're still in it. So if you can just, like, walk into that scene and make it another scene, the audience doesn't notice that it ended badly. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love covering up this. Yeah, I mean, Monty Python and Mr. Show, of course, also yeah. did it. Just, like, like, some of their sketches end great. Some of their sketches don't. Yes. We have all these walls and lines in the sand where we do things and who does things and what happens here. And I like when that stuff doesn't happen. The Herald, the structure of the Herald is just three scenes and playing those games again, or three games and playing those games again, and then having some palate cleanser games that are unrelated to those games. So you switched from saying scenes to games. You think it is much more about, I want to see this game. Because it doesn't have to be a scene, right? Yeah. Uh, when you learn it, it's a scene. But when you play it, it could be, it's one scene with three games. Yeah. And then we do a palette cleanser with the, which, like if you do a mono scene, Harold, mm-hmm. which uh, uh, Bucky mm-hmm. used to do. I don't think they do necessarily yeah. do Harold's uh, on the weekend anymore. But you could argue that was one scene. Yeah. But that there were, there were like scene moments. Sure. But... You could argue that it wasn't. Or, I mean, they probably have done somewhere like Frank was in all three scenes. Exactly. So it sort of was all his scene. Yeah. But he played three different games. I mean, Macro scene was definitely that. When people walked around and uh, Terry Withers would be in three or four scenes in a row playing many different games. Sometimes the same game. Sometimes different games. Is that one scene or is that two? I don't know. So that semantic gets me nervous. It's like, yeah, it's three games. You create three games from your opening. Or you're inspired to create three games from your opening. You do a palate cleanser. You return to those three games. Mm-hmm. You do another palate cleanser. And the palate cleanser is also a game. Yeah. But it's just not those three games. And maybe there's characters related. Maybe the scene is related. Maybe the plot is related. None of that matters to the Herald. It's all meaningless. It could mm-hmm. get in the way. And then it all kind of comes together. And maybe some of those palate cleansers come back in that moment. Maybe they don't. If they're good, they do. If they're not, then don't. Yeah. That was Kevin Hines. Up next is Joey Price. He talks a little about his old Herald team, Slamball, which worked on thematic Heralds with Achilles Stamatolaki. There was a period maybe on Slamball, yeah, it was definitely on Slamball, where I was 
actively looking for ways to connect the first group game to the second beats to mm-hmm. the first second beat mm-hmm. and that was like a really fun thing for me to like a it was a weird personal thing that i gave yeah. myself yeah like i did it once kind of like in the moment i like yeah. organically found it and it was really fun and satisfying and then i was like oh maybe like look for those opportunities right. now so that was kind of like a personal goal that I gave myself. And I think that's good too. I think like maybe giving yourself like personal things before each show that yeah. you don't even like necessarily discuss with the team or if you do that's fine too. But just going to be like, you know, in this show I think I'm going to like try to do this one thing yeah. at some point. I think is a nice thing to think about. Yeah. With the connecting the group game to second beats. So you're doing that personally for you to give yourself something to do, but also that requires a very aware team to realize you're doing that. Cause there's nothing worse than seeing somebody either connect, like connect two scenes and then somebody edits and then they just do that same scene that you were trying to connect I, to. That has happened to me. That, that, that is the, yes, definitely the, uh, the danger in something like that. In this particular case, we were working on more kind of like show-wide yeah. stuff. So everyone was kind of looking out for that, those kinds of things. So I think it worked. But I definitely have also had it happen where like I did it and then somebody – I did it like through a tag. Mm-hmm. And then somebody tagged me out and went back to the group game. Right. And then it's like, oh, okay, now we have to do another second beat yeah. <laughs> of that thing. I don't have any ideas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and I think that, yeah, that's just going to happen. Exactly. Like, yeah. it, that's nobody's fault at all. Uh, also, it's possible that my move wasn't super good or clear yeah, sure. in that instance. That was Joey Price. With the Herald, you're working on many different levels at once, which requires both more observation from the entire team and more clarity from each player. You both have to make your moves pretty clear and make sure that everybody's looking out for those moves. Here's Lydia Hensler. Her team, Grandma's Ashes, is going to come up, which was coached by Jordan Klepper and Chris Gethard, among others. Well, let's talk about like forms of the Herald and ways of kind of like breaking and stretching the Herald. So you taught the Tangential Herald class for a yes, while, right? Yes, oh, I loved that. Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. So first off, like what did you love about it? Okay, so what I loved about that was because it felt like it was exploring multiple worlds. The Tangential Herald class, I think, was born out of just stuff I loved about working with Jordan because he was very into, uh, especially because we always did so many group scenes. I mean, we, you know, when you teach a Herald, you're like, no walk-ons in first beats. You know, it's like very clear that two-person scenes, but we just loved doing group scenes on Grandma's Ashes. And so, like, all our first beats would turn into these, like, big, fun group games, and then you'd have a group game, and then you'd have more group games. You know, it was, like, so fun. I think Jordan was amazing. Like, he would do these exercises sometimes where we would, I remember him once being like, he would just say, like, I don't know if somebody wrote down on a piece of paper, and he'd be like, uh, lizard. Okay, I'm going to leave the room for five minutes, and then we'll do the lizard herald, or, or the lizard show. Right. And we'd, like, create, like, you'd have, like, five minutes to create, like, all these cool structures of, like, right. this is how the lizard show will happen. It's like, And then the tongue will come out, and that'll be the editor, you know, right. whatever. And then we, or we shed a skin, and that's the editor. You know, you just, like, play with all these cool things. And just inventing a bunch of different tools to use yeah. for any possible suggestion and any possible permutation of the hair. Yeah, and just, I think it was a cool way to, like, everybody come to, we all came together to, like, blow out our minds. Right. You know, like, explode right. what we what we had always done, you know? But as there 
were, and we would play with all different types of edits. And there's something along that line of just like, hey, there's no right or wrong. Just do what is so fun to you and approach it in a way that everybody knows what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the edit where you take an object, that kind of thing, where it's right. like, oh, I'm painting. And then instead of just sweeping the edit, I take the paintbrush and then I bring it over and I start painting. Like I was doing a paint class and now I'm painting um, small mural in my child's mm-hmm. bedroom, a brand new scene or something. Um, so there was something about this idea of like taking an aspect from one scene, but a whole other scene is coming. And I love worlds. Like I love macro scene in any fashion. I love worlds. So when I was doing the tangential Herald, I was like, what if we blew out everything? So it was like, you blow out that first beat, you blow out the second beat, you blow out the third beat, treat everything like a group game as though you'll never see it again. And then take like the most fun thing or most memorable detail. And then that's how you do second beat. So it's like you blow out a scene and then maybe the one of the walk-ons was just this really fun, interesting cop or something. Mm-hmm. And you're like, cool, then we're going to start a whole new world around that cop for the second beat of it so that it everything gets like explored hopefully till its fullest potential and when doing that then you create all these other moments of exciting chaff because right. everyone's like excited about stuff and cool things happen and whatever you've chosen from the first like maybe the cop was this really memorable walk on so we do this scene about the cop but there's also something really cool in that first beat too so then at the end instead of just like a few third beats, I I was calling it the cornucopia of dreams. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I've, been, I've been around the world toting this cornucopia of dreams. And that's where you could just connect everything. So it was, you had exploded, you know, you've done six different worlds, just beats alone, plus your group game slots. And then, then you could just connect forever right. and just have so much fun with that. And so like when we would teach it, I would do, you know, like what I would say, like do 10 yeah. and I'll probably black you out before that. Uh, yeah. Every part of you describing that, there was no part where the Herald seemed like a limitation. Every, no, it, it was, was so uh, helpful. Yeah, yeah, right? Like, you just you describing it right now was so much of just like, oh, and then you get to do this, and then second beats are a whole new world of that. Yeah. I don't think you could do that without the Herald structure. Sure. It would just be like, oh, what a long montage or something. <laughs> yeah, it was so... The Herald's... Yeah, I think when you look at structure as what does it allow you to do mm-hmm. versus like what is it keeping me from. Right. And in this case, the Herald structure very specifically, it's forcing you to choose from specific scenes when mm-hmm. you're do- doing those second beats or those tangential kind of second beats. And it's also limiting then what we pull from one scene also, right? Because right. it can't be all... Not all the second, each second beat was directly from like, okay, 1A, then there's 2A, and 2A right. is a thing from 1A, and yeah. that kind of thing, right? Yeah, it was very specific, right, which was why you were, there was so much like, I, I, extra stuff for the yeah, cornucopia. Because the there's end. stuff from the first beat and the second beat right. of the same scene, yeah, of the same thread, yeah. So when you guys were building, when you guys were working with Jordan to like build other like versions of the Herald or other like variations. Were there any that you remember as like, this was, this is one that I wish an audience had seen. I don't. Uh, I honestly don't. Everything is so blurry. Like everything molds together. There's so few moments that I, (laughs) that stick out of anything. It feels like somebody somebody was talking about that. Like when you go home after a show, do you like dissect? I was like, no, like everything just, literally disappears. I mean, yeah. I definitely did when I was first doing sure. it. You're like on the train, you're like, I should have said that. Mm-hmm. But uh, but at a certain point, you're just like, no, that was, yeah, that that was, was so it. fun, you guys. <laughs> and you chat about what you loved and then you go on your merry way. Um, but I don't even know with Jordan if it was a mu- as much of like, 
I think with Chris, it was like, how do we make this form amazing? And with Jordan, it was like, how do we do whatever the hell we want? Like, how do we make it cool, but honoring what, like, how do Mm -hmm. we create, like, cool structures and mm-hmm. like things. So it was like tangential heralds is such a great mold of the two. Cause yeah. it wasn't like this giant thematic moment, it, but it was like having the most fun you could possibly have mm-hmm. in a structure. Yeah. That was Lydia Hensler. Having fun with the Herald isn't always easy, but it's necessary. Again, it's a tough form. Here in New York City, there's Lloyd Night, in which each team must perform a standard Herald with a pattern game opening. And for some performers, it crushes them. They just don't have fun with it. They focus on what scenes they can't do, and they just really get beaten by the limitations rather than using the limitations, or really not limitations, but the structure to force further creativity. I don't think humans are really creative. I think we are problem solvers. It's easier to write a story or draw a picture or compose a song if I give you a series of rules than it is if I just hand you a piece of paper and say, go. The Herald is just a series of rules, and that can feel limiting. Instead, it should be empowering. The Herald has done some of the work for you. It started filling in the paper so you don't have a big blank sheet staring back at you. Good teams find ways to break the Herald open. Bad ones just color inside the lines. Sometimes I'll tell Lloyd teams, stop performing like you're a Lloyd team. Stop performing like you're there just to show people this is what a basic Herald is. Instead, have fun and know that the Herald is, by the time you're on Lloyd, a structure that you know in your bones. So you can push yourself in different ways and it's always going to be there. Up next is Nicole Dressbell. We talked about her team Bucky, which did a monocene Herald for a long time, which is a conceptually simple method of apparently breaking the Herald structure while in reality using it as a framework, allowing Bucky to do harder, interesting, show-wide things. She also mentions her previous Herald teams, Robber Baron and A Very Good Kiss. So Bucky did like a monocene Herald for a while. Sure. Let's talk about a Herald. I say, and I hope, God, I hope Bucky's not offended by this. I would say we did monocene Herald for at least a year and a half, mm-hmm. maybe a year and a half spread out over two years. And I would say it was like a Herald, like a true Herald six times. Yeah. And you define a true Herald as that Three group game, three group game structure. Yes. Yeah. In the same order, consciously playing each game, everybody who is on stage at that moment knowing which game they are and where they are in the Herald. And so the like little Hermione in me would always be like, oh my God, we're out of order. Get back on track. Oh my God, we're not doing this. Like, get... And I wouldn't do it, but I would mm-hmm. think it, but I wouldn't force it. And then at the end of Herald Night, like as Bucky was leaving, I was like, oh fuck, we did it the right way because it is much better... If Nicole walks on, and I'm using me because I'm Mm -hmm. nice, and plays a game at the wrong time, which would never happen, but this is a hypothetical situation. If Nicole walks on and plays a game at the wrong time, it is much better for Jeremy Bent to drop the game that he thought should happen and just respond to the game that Nicole is playing. Mm -hmm. That is so much better as an improv lesson to learn and to have in your bones than to know how to course correct other people away from what they're trying to do. You also mentioned as far as what made the Herald to you a – and when you guys did a correct a correct quote-unquote Herald, one of the things you just said was that everybody knew which part we were on, mm-hmm. which seems almost more important than the order of kind of like – the order is there to get us to that. But if we know, oh, you know what? Great. Nicole came in as this. If we all now know she wanted us to do this and we all jump on that – 
that feels more like maybe what a true herald should be right. than just, oh, but she switched two of the second beats. Yes, that's true. That's definitely true. So then how did you guys kind of develop doing that as a monoscene? Like, were there any, first, were there any, like, things that you guys tried that didn't work for that? It was Brandon Scott Jones. Mm-hmm. We got real lucky because Brandon, I guess Grandma's Ashes had maybe just moved to the weekend or was about to move to the weekend. And Brandon was, like, down to coach us. So it was this, like, incredibly fortunate confluence of veteran people on a team, but veteran nerds on a team. Mm -hmm. We weren't over it yet. We still were like, I'd be down to, like, be on a team that feels really great. Because we were, like, willing to do the work and willing to, like, stay excited about it. We weren't sort of that level of, like, I just like improv and I'll show up and do improv. We were still dweebs we wanted to be on a team people talked about but not desperately because we'd also all wanted to be on teams that people talked about and those teams were terrible yeah we'd all had failures under our belts sure but um, and intense failures failures where it's like we're not gonna fail guys heartbreaking failures yeah. um like i remember robber baron oops, not ever gonna go an improv podcast without talking about robber baron being backstage near the end and we had come up with a scenario where we were like guys there's the world's about to explode and there's a spaceship, and Anthony King only has room with one for one Herald team on the spaceship, and we got to get that spot. And I think it was tongue-in-cheek. I'm sure it was tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. But also, not all mm-hmm. the way. So anyway, we all had those common experiences, so we had that of, like, we had survived failures. We were still kind of hungry for something that felt really good. Yeah. And then we got Brandon Scott Jones as a coach. And that's the real lucky part, is that we had a coach who was, like, a veteran teacher, and had also shared those experiences, but had been on a great team because he'd been on Grandma's Ashes and Grandma's Ashes was about to move to the weekend and had the emotional energy to fully commit to a team. And that is unbelievably fortunate for a person who's in his position with his knowledge to still be like sort of hungry to be a good coach. Yeah. So he was very empowering on our early Heralds, which were traditional sweep edit Heralds. I think we were doing documentary opening which was a holdover from Very Good Kiss. People were also very chill about Bucky just kind of picking up in some ways where that team left off. But then Brandon, like, developed some weird stuff to the doc because we would do a doc that could just be two-person interviews, but then also I think we would do, like, weird scene painting things in the middle of it. God, maybe that's just Very Good Kiss, though. I might be conflating them. But we did sweep edit Heralds that Brandon went very easy on. He would just be empowering. He would look for what was good and look to encourage what was good. And there was never any beating up and there was never any looking for the negative thing. And then at some point, like very gradually, that became wanting to encourage us to find a weird thing to do or a new thing to do or a challenging thing to do. And originally we were talking about third beats being thematic or like the show being thematic after a certain point. We're like, okay, cool. That feels pretty cool. We like that. Maybe we'll keep working on that. And then we did monoscene heralds in a practice and it was very, it was the end of Nicole Byer and the beginning of Sashir. Because I remember like we were sort of like in that transition. Mm-hmm. I think Nicole was there for like our very last few Monocene Heralds, if not the last one. And we did them in practice and we were like, oh, we like this. Oh my God, I just remembered something. Originally what we had said was we're going to do a new type of Herald every month. Oh, okay. That's what it was. Because we were doing thematic heralds, but they were being thematic in sort of the same way. I know your show is not about history. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. No, history is part of it. Yeah. Okay, good. It was, we're going to do a new, weird, challenging type of herald every month. Because we were doing the thematic, we were like, thematic's starting to feel stale. Mm -hmm. Because what it's being is like, 
in every show, the third beats reveal that we were puppets the whole time or whatever. So let's set out to do a new specific type of Herald every month, which is so ridiculous because that's four times you're barely going to get good at whatever you're doing. Right. And we got to the end of the month with that mono scene. It was like, no, there's still worlds to conquer. There's still things to discover and get better at. So we just like did it and did it and did it. Maybe I guess for like almost a year. And then was when you guys said a different type every month was the first month mono scene yes. and you guys stuck with that. Great. That's exactly it. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Then we kind of got to the end of the month and you're like, okay, well I know we said we'd switch it, but yeah. there's still more to be done. And I think I still kind of was pushing for switching it, but we were liking it so much and it felt so good. And, and there was still more to be done. And we did like not great ones in the mm-hmm. beginning. We did some really bad ones. We did one on a boat that was just awful. What was great about Brandon is he was also pushing us to do different types of mono scene heralds. I think that's probably part of what the appeal was. It's because there's the traditional occupy the same space. Two people walk on. They have a scene. Two other people walk on. They greet each other. The first group leaves. Mm-hmm. And like there's that kind. We were doing kind where it's like populate the space. So everybody comes out at the very beginning, but we're in slightly different pockets of space. And we just share focus. Kind of like the dinner party style. Yes, exactly. But we might be in like a giant boat with very different parts of the boat. We did a terrible one on a boat. That's the one that was really bad. And then near the end, Brandon started pushing us towards genre. And I think we now do that very naturally and never worked with Brandon on it for very long. Because Brandon was sort of at the end of that year, he was a little bit Mary Poppins. Like he was a little bit like, there are all the children who need me. Yeah, yeah. Put us in Jordan Klepper's hands. Jordan Klepper coached us for a little while. But anyway, Brandon was talking about genre and what he really, oh, I shouldn't say what he really meant, but what it felt like or what we eventually took away was trope mono scenes. Mm-hmm. Really making sure it's a world. So if you come out and the first person comes out and they're like some fancy person at the Hamptons, it should feel like it all belongs to the Hamptons. You're not stretching when you find your character types for like, oh, this person wouldn't really be there. You're thinking like, okay, well, what are cliches about people who go to the Hamptons? We'll pull those different trope cliche mm-hmm. pockets as like what we come on with initially so that not way for you your have games. your base reality exactly and it's not where your your games will come from but it will be yeah it'll just be a base reality inspired by the other base reality or inspired by the meta base reality and because we know that genre or we know that cliche so much when then something weird happens against that it's going to pop even more yes for sure exactly it, you hopefully you'd still have a character game mm-hmm just specific to a character who belongs to that world. That's really, it's all about it feeling like it's a world. Right. And so we'll do things like that. We'll do a thing that it's like, oh, this is clearly like a fairy tale story or, oh, this is clearly like, we're clearly doing the big chill. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels nice to have a mono scene that feels that cohesive as opposed to like, was that the old Navy mono scene? Right. I don't remember because none of the scenes were specific to also, we're clearly doing the big chill is such a specific only I think Bucky would feel like, oh, you know, the genre, the movie, the big chill. Like, right. I guess. But that, like that is a team that would. Yeah. And maybe that's also my frame of reference. I think the rest of Bucky might not quite think of it. They might not yeah. think we're clearly doing the big chill. But I remember doing one on Friday nights that was like, oh, yeah, this is OK, cool. We're obviously doing the big chill. I right. mean, somebody we were college friends meeting in a cabin and somebody mentioned that someone died. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big chill. Right. I'm like, yeah. I, Curtis, I can't tell from your tone. No. Uh, yeah. OK. So that was Brandon. And then at the end of working with Brandon, we were like, guys, we've felt really good about the mono scene, but we've been doing it for a long time. And we did say we'd move on. Mm-hmm. So what's something new that we can work on? And Sashir came up with the Laurent Herald. Mm hmm just as we were starting to work with Jordan Klepper. And so we forced this like brilliant improv teacher and kind, good man to do a form 
that is like I, I just taught a class on it and the yeah. class was a million times better at it than we were. It was yeah. really great. We it was a f- fuck show. It was a fucking mess. What made it, was, it so much of a mess? So you guys were doing so it was a standard Laurent, right? A B B C C D, right? Yes. But new games within each one, and then mm-hmm. you're s- returning. And then characters can't come back. Okay. So you and I do the first scene, mm-hmm. and then you and Jeremy. I put you on Bucky. You and I do the first scene. You and Jeremy do the. I'm sorry. I'm going to feel bad about whichever member of Bucky I end up replacing. So I need Whatever. to take you out of yeah, this. Yeah, that's fine. Me and Jeremy do the first scene. Jeremy and Nate do the second first beat. Nate and Laura do the third first beat. Laura's character stays and Frank comes on and initiates a group game that Laura's character is present for. Gotcha. And then Christian waves everybody off and he and Frank's character from the group game do the first second beat of mine and Jeremy's scene. So they're playing the same game from your and Jeremy's scene, but now as these two new characters. Totally new characters. And then Sashir tags Frank out. She and Christian do the second second beat. Jeremy tags Christian out. Mm-hmm. He no, sorry, Cutler Cut. tags Christian out. He and Sashir do the third second beat. I tag Sashir out, and my character from the very beginning is in a group game sure. with Cutler's character. Yeah, uh, and then third beats anybody who wants to can come back, and that's the first time that we sweep at it. And that's if everyone's there. If right. everyone's not there, then we have to do some real quick, neat little math backstage to figure out when does the first character come back and right. what does that mean for the group scene. So that's just. As a base, yeah. what the Laurent is. And hopefully you're doing both halves that make a Laurent and a Herald good, which is strong games, played analogously, but also strong characters. Two strong characters. Nobody is just a blank slate because mm-hmm. you're going to have to play that character two scenes in a row. We took that. And then we said, in addition to that, we're all also going to play objects. We're going to populate the space when we're not a character with objects. There was one where we all played little paddles on an ice cream truck and boy, it really brought down the audience. Paddles on like an little, ice cream like, truck? Like an, you're in an ice cream truck and you want to get ice cream and we would play the paddles on the soft serve machine. The paddles on the soft serve machine? paddles? Like the thing that you press so that soft serve comes out. Why are you being oh, so... Oh, I see. The, the like, le- uh, yeah, the lever thing Was or it whatever? a lever? We played it as, I think we played it as like a panel you would push. But oh, whatever. panel. Okay, okay, okay. You know, like a little Yeah, yeah, yeah. Panel. I see. Like a button type thing. Big. Sure, but like bigger. Yeah, okay. A panel is a big button. Okay, so that's so that would be happening. So humans would be playing objects in addition to this other stuff that's happening. But wait, the next character who came out had to come out with a gesture that is inspired buy some of the object work that is being played by other improvisers mm-hmm. and use that to find their character. So I could not just tag in and be like, okay, well, Curtis is playing like a guy who works down at the docks, so I'll be uh, his like screechy wife. I can say screechy wife because I'm a woman. I can't just do that. I have to look at the people playing fish and have my character inspired by the movement of themselves as fish as like a gesture that my character will come out and do that will inform my character. And now I initiate that I'm your wife. Also, it's the second, second beat. So we have to play that game from before. Yeah, this is... That's what we did. So That's many, what we made Jordan so Clepper do. It's so many rules. It's so many rules. And you guys have had, then made it as hard as possible to remember the rules by being objects. Because I know like the hard part is just, hey, if you're on the back line in a Herald... You should be thinking of what is the game they're playing. Could I initiate a second beat? I think, could I initiate a second beat for any of the games in the first beat? As you should. What's what's my group game going to be? All those things are things that I'm like 
thinking of and absorbing as I'm watching my teammates play. You can't do that because you're being a tree. I mean, in theory, you can still do that. You're just doing it while you're a tree. Like your brain is doing two things at the same time, but also your arms are so tired. Yeah. Well, but that also presupposes that our first beats had games, which they typically did not. So now you're in an analogous second beat where you have to gesture towards a game that wasn't really a game the first time it was played either. I We did it for like three or four months. Mm-hmm. And we did it under the, there was like right near the end, we were standing on outside Bagel Maven after Herald Night, because I think some people had to go home, but we knew we had to have a team meeting about this. We were standing outside Bagel Maven and we were like, we're going we're gonna to keep doing it until the end of the month. And then some of us were like, we should do it until we do it right, until we do it well. Because there were cool things about it. It's cool mm-hmm. to think like you're going to get dropped in an analogous beat and you have to pull off an analogous beat. Yeah. It's cool to do these. Like it, it, the tightrope part of it was cool. And then a week later we did it. Like actually pulled off the structure of it, had games in every scene, played them analogously, had characters. And we were like, oh, yeah, okay. I don't ever need to do that again. And that's when we moved on. Cool. And so just when we were like, nope, we have to push through a little bit more, we pushed through and we're like satisfied and went right back to mono scenes. And then so you mentioned you taught a class on this. Yes. Right. So then you took away most of those rules and just kind of held the, this is already a herald, which is tough yes. in many ways, and mm-hmm. a Laurent. So it was just that kind of mathy part of. Exactly. Gotcha. It was just like playing characters and knowing that. Being able to divorce character from game is difficult, and that was a big piece of it, of, like, you are going to be that, like, tough guy who works at the docks, but, like, whatever game you had in your first scene cannot be what you're doing in your second scene. So you need to stay that guy and commit to that guy, but you might have a new game, or you might become the straight man. Yeah. Yeah. Which, with the Laurent in general, is the hard thing for people to learn. that's true. Especially if you have an overpowering character Mm -hmm. to not just make that same character the game in two separate scenes. Yep, yep. But I got really lucky, and it was a lottery, but it was like a lottery three-week class, and just like there were a disproportionate number of people who were like comfortable with all those Mm -hmm. things, and they did it. And it was nice, and it was also kind of validating, because I was like, oh, there is something cool about this form. Yeah. I think there are some advanced study classes or some herald challenges or some forms where it's like, oh, you're, it's a great broadener. Mm-hmm. You are going to be a different improviser and a more informed improviser and a maybe more surprising improviser and a more like muscled in terms of game improviser for having done this thing. And I think sometimes we go to the same wells so much once we hit the like indie level of improv that we don't get to do that. Yeah. So it was like cool to offer that and then to be a part of it. That was Nicole Dressbell. With a lot of these, notice how coaches keep coming up. Very specifically, coaches who forced teams to really bend the herald and have fun with it, to use it as a medium of exploration rather than as a pair of handcuffs. The other half of that is that all these teams were, like Nicole mentioned, filled with people willing to do the work. The herald is tough. Will Hines earlier mentioned how easy it is to fall out of practice. All the teams that are good at the herald worked at it. A lot both as a team and as individuals. Here's Kevin Hines, continuing from where we left off earlier. So Fwand was very much, yeah. you guys worked on keeping the Herald from being regimented. How did you guys work on that? And how, when you're like coaching a team or something like that, how do you try to make other teams break apart the Herald a little bit? Um, so one, you have to be able to do the textbook Herald first. Sure. If you can't do that, it's just too hard. All the bad habits that come with breaking those rules, the reasons that you don't break them initially. It's like the Picasso knows how to draw. Yeah. 
it just gets worse. Yeah, if you can't play game and you're doing organic transitions, just organic transitions, nothing else weird, then the organic transitions go too long and you're never sure when you're in the scene because the games aren't clear. I mean, when Fawn did bad shows, it was just all transitions. And we had enough charisma, or at least some of us did, to, to cover it up. And it would just be like, oh, what a great show. And be like, oh, we didn't play any games. <laughs> yeah, that was a bad show. But we had formed out of a team, Mailer Demon, that just did Heralds. We did Invocation Heralds, sweep edits. They were 20 minutes long at most. Often they were 19 or 18 minutes. They were just lean right. game. There was like nothing. I always called them no fat. Yeah. It was just like no dressing, no like go back to your base reality and explore the world. It was just game move, game move, game move. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. And we could do those blindfolded, and a lot of us were on Fawn, so it's sort of like we had this backbone of people that just uh, could do that. Yeah. When we get together and do Fawn shows now, they're messier. Yeah. There'll be good moments and bad moments because we're not, we've lost that muscle. Uh, so, one, be good at game. Even though I don't care, I think that's important to be an advanced study, it's very important to, to, to break the rules. And then you need to be fearless. You have to have people... If they're not like this, you can't make people do this. I've had students who can't do this, but you need people who are okay being in a scene if they don't know what's going on. I've had students who are great at everything, could adapt, could yeah. But they, if there were moments where they didn't think they knew what was going on, they freeze. So they have to at least be fooled into thinking they know what's going on. Then if you change it on them, like, well, I know what's going on now. You changed it. They would be okay in those moments, mm-hmm. which is very weird. Like they could adapt from one game to another game. I saw them do that. But if like you initiated vague, they wouldn't make a move. I'd be like, I don't know what you're going for. I know you have something. I'll wait until I know what's happening. I can't do a walk-on to a scene that's messy. Right. But I could walk into a scene with a strong game, have that game change on me, and still be okay. Those people can't do this because yeah. they are lacking the fearlessness of just sort of diving in and saying, like, I'll see what happens. But if they can play game and they, and they don't mind being lost, then it's easy. Then uh, what I would initially do is I give them challenges initially. You know, you have to do this. You have to do that. Like, no sweep edits first. Or, like, nobody can do everyone's second beats. Those are, like, the easy things. Yeah. Uh, every scene has to have a different number of people in it. Some weird, arbitrary thing. Mm-hmm. Your group games are in the dark. Or just what I, I have done these things with you, Curtis. Uh, it was like, for this, Harold, I want this to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this exercise. It's like I'm giving them tool. And then at a certain point, it's like, all right. Now I want you guys to make those challenges, like make your own challenges, just do things. That gets you partially the way there. Mm-hmm. And I also teach it through Follow the Follower. People who do Follow the Follower, when they initially are doing it, it's my favorite warm-up. But when people, a lot of people do it, they're following the rules. We all have to do the same thing. If you say a word, I have to say that word. It can't be scenic. So I take away all those rules. I'm like, hey, let it be scenic for a few moments. Just don't let it go too long. Right. You don't all need to be doing the same thing. You just need to all be supporting the same idea. If I'm playing a dog, if I'm doing a dog catcher, you can be the dog. Mm-hmm. We don't need to be eight dog catchers. It can be seven dog catchers and one dog, or one dog catcher and seven dogs, or four and four. Yeah, it's all supporting the idea. Or it could be one dog catcher, a dog, and everyone else is a truck. Yeah, that's all supporting the idea of we're doing something about dog catchers right mm-hmm. here. So once you're able to do that with a organic, and that's where an organic by very uh, or sound of movement, I use this. I don't know what the right term for that is. Some people call it one, some people call it the other. Some people get mad if you call it yes. wrong. I do not care. If you're doing a sound of movement and you're not worried about 
oh, I have to do this. There's no moment in your head where you're like, I'm supposed to do this. It's just, I'm doing this. I'm bored of it. I'm doing something else. Right. And sometimes you're leading and sometimes you're following and it's just seamless. You're almost all the way there already. Mm-hmm. Then all you have to do is say, all right, now bring stuff back every now and then. Look for those patterns. Uh, I did this with uh, Big Time, which was a Lloyd team. Because mm-hmm. th- they were doing heralds. They were doing pattern game heralds, which is what you do on Lloyd night. And they were a pretty good group. And, and then I had them do sound of movement warm-ups because I like them. And they would do bad ones. And so I was like, no, no. And I kind of just said all the spiel I just said to you, Curtis. And they did it. Mm-hmm. And then that was the warm-up we did before every rehearsal. And they were so good at it. And some of their heralds were good and some of their heralds weren't. But it's like, I knew they could do good heralds because they did this. Mm-hmm. They found games. Things morphed from one thing to the other. And they knew when it happened. And that, that's it. Just That's part of it, right? I talk about adapting. It's like recognizing, oh, you're doing that thing we did earlier. You're that dog catcher again. That means someone needs to be a dog again. That's yeah. what happened last time. We should do that again. Or you're not the dog catcher anymore. So I have to do something different. Yeah. doesn't matter what I do, but you're not the dog. I can't keep being a dog. You stop being a dog catcher. We're not here. I'm, I'm off balance yeah. a little bit. Let's find what yeah. the new balance is. And if you can't do those things, then you've got to follow Harold that's very clear and structured. Right. You, want it, you have to step into it. Like, you know, and I'm on a weekend team, the curfew, and sometimes people will do a weird move, and we don't rehearse. And if someone misses that weird move, it doesn't work. Right. Because we don't notice it, and then that person has to adapt back into the normal thing that we were already doing. And sometimes they catch it, and it's very exciting. Yeah. And sometimes you think someone's going for I, I I do this with Chelsea all the time. I'll be like, oh, Chelsea wants these posters to come alive and talk to her. And I'll step out and do it. And Chelsea goes with it, and she loves it. And afterwards, I'm like, I did what you wanted, right? And she's like, I wasn't thinking about that. Right. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> But, you know, she adapted, and that's a moment where I would say it worked. Yeah. Because she saw me do this move. She didn't mm-hmm. make me not a talking poster. She knew what I was going for, uh, and she had fun with it. But I thought that's what she wanted. Uh, you know, like, that sort of free freeness you want. Yeah. Uh, that some people are good at in third beats. Some people are not. But you need to be able to be, do that from the first moment of a Herald to the mm-hmm. end. You need to do that in the first moment of a pattern game, possibly. If I'm doing a pattern game... I just saw a group do this once. They were doing a pattern game, and at some point in the middle, they did the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. I don't remember if this was a class or a group I was coaching. It was great. It did not help the pattern game. It right. did not help develop ideas. But it was the right move at the right time. It's like, oh, it, it just started happening, yeah. and we have to do it now. And then we went back into the pattern game, and it was like, yeah, that's what had to happen. And nobody questioned it. Nobody yeah. stopped and said, like, I pledge allegiance to the flag. Uh, tarp. Yeah. That didn't happen. It was just they all just did. They like looked around like, I guess we're doing this. Because sometimes you'll see groups do a pattern game and something weird will happen and they'll let that person die out there. Yeah. Like somebody will try to connect it back yeah. to the suggestion or too soon. They do it a little bit. Yeah. And then they stop. Or a few of them do it. And it just doesn't work unless you're mm-hmm. all ready to go with it. A real thing that happened with Fonda. I'm going to say the word famous, but it's ridiculous to say about an improv scene. But a famous scene we were in was one where... Somebody stepped out and just froze in place. And yeah. one by one, we all kind of came out on stage and were just frozen. Our group game was just seven or eight of us on stage frozen. There was like no game. Two or three minutes. There was no game. It eventually moved back into the second beats. We never found a game in that scene. And we all talked backstage in our head going, this is all we're doing, I guess. Mm-hmm. And we all had this moment of like, is this what we're doing? I'm not going to stop doing it. I'm not going to be the one to say this isn't yeah. the right move. It's like it feels like this is what we're doing, so I'm just going to do it. It was great being backstage and hearing that. I mean, it was great to be in it. It was great to. It was so funny. The audience loved it. Uh, you know, adulation for us. We were so amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also just going backstage and every one of us being like, "Oh, I didn't want to be the one to break it." Right. 
Like, that's just what it was. And it didn't end until it had to end. And it felt so great. And it it had that feeling of watching improv. It yeah. was like, oh, this is happening. Okay, how are they going to justify this? Yeah. Oh, somebody just copied it. And it was watching you guys, like, just build this. And then, yeah, after, I think it was, like, two minutes of silence. Yeah. I think Gabrus or somebody, like, connected Gabrus, it. yeah. Gabrus just made a move to connect it to the next scene in the mm-hmm. second beats, which was, like, rats, rats hiding or something? from the Exterminator. Yeah. It's like, oh, the Exterminator's gone. We all scattered, which is a great connection. But it isn't a move for that scene. It was yeah. to get out of that scene. And we were just all in positions going, I don't want to tip over. I don't want to fall. I don't want to make – I'm not going to deliver a line of dialogue. Uh-huh. This is what it is. When I teach Follow the Follower to 201 students, I talk about how I think Follow the Follower is to me what improv is, where the best sort of improv is, in that I don't know why I'm doing this other than we're all doing it. I don't know what's going to happen next. But I also know I'm doing it right. Yeah. Like the best parts of improv are where like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know what I'm going to do next. But I know it's right. I know this is it. It's fun. Yeah. You yeah. just, when you're in a good scene, you know it. You don't know the next moment because you don't know what your scene partner is going to do. But the moment that happens, you know what you have to do because it's the only thing you can do. That's improv. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just like, oh, now these, all these things happen. And that's uh, what Follow the Follower uh, or an organic does when it's really cooking. It's just a bunch of stuff happening. And you never in a moment during an organic, like, file the followers a warm-up. If you're good at it, you never go, oh, what are we doing? Right. We're all walking around like chickens with, with uh, passing out business cards? This isn't a thing. Yeah. But it's like, oh, no, 100% this is what it is. We got here naturally. Mm-hmm. We're all doing it, so I can't be wrong. So it's right. What happens after that? Oh, I, don't know how, I don't know how we got here. How yeah. do we what, follow that? But then something happens, and you're like, oh, that's how we get out of this. And that's, I mean, that's a... Uh, abstract version of what improv feels like, I think. So, I don't know. I, I focus on those sort of feelings. But if a group... I've worked with groups that want to do organic that aren't good at game or that aren't good at diving in blind. And they can't do it. And it's, and it, it's gotten to the point where I won't work on organic with a group until I think they're ready. I've had groups like, hey, we want to do this. I'm like, nah, I'll get somebody else. Yeah. Because I've done that a few times and it's too frustrating for me I had a group where I was like, let's just do different transitions. And they're like, like what? And I gave them a few ideas, and they do those ideas. And I'm like, now do something different. I can't think of any. It's like, then I can't help you do yeah. organic yeah. improv. You can't, you can't think of it because there is no wrong answer. Exactly. Except for doing the things that I just said, which are all you're doing. <laughs> the wrong answer is not thinking of something new. Yeah. And it's not easy. And, and you might be bad at it today and good at it next year. But if a group's not ready to do it, it's like, yeah, I know you want to do it. Do the fundamentals. You know, run, run laps. That was Kevin Hines. That was episode four, The Herald. Most of the shows that I still remember vividly from up to a decade ago are Heralds. Incredible connections or inspired second beats or just some sort of show-wide move that the entire team agreed to immediately. Moves that affected the entire show to make it feel like more than just a bunch of scenes. Those are the things that I still remember. Those are the shows that people still talk about. The Herald forces us to make those moves that we wouldn't do otherwise. And that's why it's great. Thanks to everyone who was part of this show. My name's Will Hines. Kevin Hines. Uh, Joey Price. Hi, Lydia Hensler. Nicole Dressbell. And I'm Curtis Rutherford. <laughs> <laughs>